This is Billy Carson with ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. Forbidden Knowledge TV has just reached its one-year anniversary. That's right, one year. And as a show of appreciation, we are giving all new subscribers a free 30-day trial of ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. That's 30 days to binge watch thousands of movies, documentaries, conferences, workshops, lectures, yoga classes, meditation courses, and so much more. So log on to ForbiddenKnowledge.tv from your computer or mobile device or get the Forbidden Knowledge TV app on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, iTunes, or Google Play today and use coupon code 30DAYSFREE. That's coupon code 30 days free on ForbiddenKnowledge.tv today. Testing. Okay, here we go. We are live. Authentic citizens, thank you for the great content. Thank you for the great comments. Um, we should be filling up here now in the chat. Got the mic working. Mecca Malone in the house. What's up? How you doing? Dream Weaver, what's up? All right, going to be a great talk today. Going to be talking about the American Holocaust. We're just going to give everyone a couple of minutes to get the notifications. I think I'll send a quick text message out to everyone and let them know that we are live on YouTube just so that we can make sure we maximize the time here. Let me just grab the link to this and drop it in a quick text message. If you're not on my text message list, make sure you get on it. It's 954-245-0086, area code 245-0086. Uh, I just sent out updates, notifications, and things like that because we know that a lot of the platforms, they, for whatever reason, they don't really get all the notifications out. Uh, so I'm telling everybody I am live on YouTube right now. Talking about American Holocaust. Okay, let's see here. Let me send this out real quick. Hopefully, everybody's having a fantastic week. Week's almost over now, so hopefully, you had a fantastic week. Going into a, a fantastic weekend coming up here. And, uh, a lot of people have been asking me about the meditation Mondays. The last two Mondays, we didn't do it. That's because I'm setting up a brand new, um, a brand new meditation. It's going live in just a couple of days. It's going to be a 24 hour day, seven day a week meditation. And it's going to be amazing. All rendered in 4K, high quality. And you're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be amazing. So it's all being done and edited right now. All of my meditation tracks are all done. And it'll be playing on a 24-7 loop 
brand new tracks that you haven't even heard yet. And I'll be adding more on a consistent basis, building up that huge database of meditation music for sleeping, for um, astral traveling, for uh, concentration and focus, for manifesting, you know, for peace, joy, just a lot of different meditation tracks. They will be running on this account 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Okay, so it's going to be great. Uh, You send out this text message now. I just got it formulated. Click send. So that should let everybody know we are on YouTube live right now. Getting ready to talk about the American Holocaust. Okay, I see everybody filling up here in the chat. Thank you so much for coming on to the Forbidden Knowledge podcast. Okay, doing another live podcast. I've been doing more live podcasts just because it seems like they tend to do a little bit better. Sometimes the pre-recorded ones, they do okay. Not as good as some of the uh, the live ones. If you are here, please don't forget to uh, click the like button. That will get the algorithm going properly. You know, YouTube will put it into the system and more notifications will go out. So please click the like button so that we can get those thumbs up going and we can get the al- algorithm going. Let the let the AI know that we are here. Okay. <laughs> All right. Cool. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So the text messages went out. And uh, looks like it's all good. Now, let's get to going here. So tonight, we're going to talk about the American Holocaust. We're going to be talking about what happened before the 1800s that led up to uh, the invasion of the North Americas and the South Americas um, and what the wars were and what the who the wars were against. And uh, it's going to be a little bit of a history lesson today, a little bit of a history lesson. And a lot of the stuff I'm, you know, gonna, you're going to learn today is all factual information that can be looked up. And I'll provide some sources as well at the end. And keep in mind, this is not to anger or make anybody mad or pissed off. This information is purely for education so that you can have and we can all have an idea of what happened in the past and how we can understand that knowing the past and learning the true history of our past can create a better future. You can't create a better future without knowing the true history, the true past, the way it happened, or getting as close to the truth as possible. Because if you don't understand the past, we are doomed to repeat mistakes that we didn't even know we made. There's a saying that goes, the past is prologue. And that is so, so true. If you look at the different eras and stages of development of human beings on this planet, Every so many thousand years, we repeat the same exact cycles over and over again. In the Vedas, they talk about it. They call it the Yuga cycle, right? And so we keep doing this rise and fall of civilizations. Right now, in this smaller term period that we're alive, uh, you know, over the past three to 400 years that you can go back in the history books, just look just to see what happened just in a smaller picture. You can see the rise and fall of empires, Right. It's very easy to see, you know, about, you know, the Egyptian Empire, the Roman Empire. Uh, You know, we can see these empires and how they rise and how they fall. You know, Uh, the Chinese empires and Japanese empires. And we can see all the rise and falls of different empires all around the planet. And so we know that empires rise and fall. But overall, civilizations as a whole rise and fall as well. And, uh, you know, so it's pretty interesting to see these cycles. But. The more we study, the deeper we uh, look into these things and we understand better as to what caused 
these rises and falls and how were these empires run? What was the cause and effect? What was the hermetic principle involved in uh, in the way that these things were set up and how did they play out over time, right? So we want to know, we need to know, we, we got to figure out for not only for ourselves, but for our future generations for prosperity. We have to understand we have to gain the information and then pass it on to somebody else that can do better than us. You know, uh, a lot of the times people see my son and they go, man, he's, you know, he's a hand, my youngest son, Justin, you know, uh, and also Giovanni, man, they, you know, they're good looking kids. You know, they're grown men now. But I said, yeah, they better be better looking than me. It's 2.0, 3.0. It got to keep getting better. You know what I'm saying? And so we got to keep improving. We have to keep improving upon our knowledge basis. And we have to transfer that knowledge into the next generation. We have to give them a fractal of that information. All right. So. Let's dig into it, guys, and see what we got here. I'm going to be um, mostly just me on the screen talking today and going through a lot of this information. Uh, I'm, I'll show a couple of things. I'll share my screen a couple of times to show a couple of things, like some books and so forth. Um, yeah, but uh, once this is done, it'll go turn around for a quick edit. I'll get it up on Forbidden TV, and there'll be a lot more cutaways to a lot of the context of, the, of what I'm talking about. So it's not just me on the screen talking all the time. But let's go ahead and get into this. So right now I'm going to uh, go into this other tab here. And let me just pause for one quick second. I've almost forgot. I got to do one commercial for myself before I forget. Okay. I got to be more astute with these things. I got to do one quick uh, shameless plug. So let me share the screen real quick and pull this up. What you're looking at here is the True Crowd trading platform and uh, the Forbidden Knowledge shares are still available. We are in round two right now. Round two shares are now trading at $1.50. Round one, they were only a dollar. Our valuation in round one, which you can still download from this page, it started off at $20 million. The company valuation is now at $30 million. And this is not a number that I arbitrarily come up with. This is all done by uh, uh, a uh, independent CPA firm that does a forensic audit. The paperwork is then submitted to True Crowd as well as the SEC, and they have to approve everything. All the vendors, all the contracts, all the funds, all the money, all the taxes, everything is triple verified, triple vetted. So these numbers I don't come up with. They tell me what the numbers are. And you can download the whole prospectus directly from truecrowd.com. You can also go to fourbitinknowledge.com and click on invest, and it'll take you to this page right here. Well, you can see there's 78 days left in round two, round two. So people in round one, they basically double their investment. Round two is phenomenal. It's fifty right now. And we are looking very, very strong kicking off this uh, year in 2022, looking to really push our, our TV subscriber base to over 100,000 by 2023. So it's a great thing for you to get involved in round two right now. Uh, shares are available on truecrowd.com, T-R-U-C-R-O-W-D.com, or you can go to fourbitinknowledge.com, click on invest, read everything, go to this page. You can download all the information. You can also see updates here as to what we have going on and what we're doing. Uh, we update this uh, considerably. And you can get all the updates as to um, the NFT and blockchain masterclass. All my free workshops are listed here that we've got going on. New TV shows and the title of the, of the TV shows 
our Forbidden Knowledge book publishing company, which I'll talk about later and show some of our books. We've got four books out right now. Another book about to be a bestseller, uh, Forbidden and a Club NFTs, raffles, contests, and giveaways. They just gave away a Rolls Royce Ghost, which ended up cashing out after taxes at 88000 given to a person that was homeless three times. That just happened. Social media platforms, updates, and our e- Egypt tour, which is uh, coming up in October. So we, 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 everything that we have going on, we update on this page as well because we're required to. All right. So with that being said, I'll come back to this a little bit later on in the show. But I wanted to stop and do that quick shameless plug. Now, let me get back to what I was going over, getting ready to go over. I'm going to be talking about the conquest of the new world. And I'm just going to briefly go into a couple of areas and some information that I studied and researched now for about maybe eight years. Right. And so I've got this uh, kind of uh, a couple of paragraphs that I want to read to you guys just to give you a paint the picture as to what it looked like in the old world. This is before, uh, you know, the pilgrims arrived. Okay, before the pilgrims arrived here to America and what led even up to people coming over here. Uh, So if we look now for 40,000 years, hundreds of millions of America of the American natives built their homes and their cities and societies on a landmass equal to one-fourth the Earth's ground surface. This is how much the indigenous people owned. Not borrowed, not not mortgaged, not leased, (laughs) not rented. They own for 40,000 years, at least we know of, at least we know of, 40,000 years Okay, they basically ran this planet. They had a landmass, considerable size landmass, equal to one fourth the total ground surface of the planet Earth itself. Consistent with the great diversity of their natural environments, some of these original inhabitants of the Western Hemisphere lived in a relatively uh, small society or small communities that touched only lightly on the land, while others resided in cities that were among the largest and most sophisticated found anywhere in the world so numerous and varied and so ancient and so far flung were these peoples that at one time they spoke as many as 2000 distinct mutually unintelligible languages 2000 languages the largest most sophisticated cities on earth all right all around this planet a lot of them resided here in the north americas now Next week, I'm probably going to touch on before Columbus. Right now, I'm going to start around Columbus right now today and move forward in time. But next week, I'm going to go, what happened before Columbus? How did these civilizations even arrive? How did they thrive and develop in Mesoamerica? So I might do that next week, okay? But we'll call it before Columbus or something. I come up with a title. But I'm going to tell you how um, uh, the Olmecs, uh, ended up coming across with Thoth the Atlantean, Dehudi, known in Africa, to kickstart and build one of the first advanced civilization tens of thousands of years ago in Mesoamerica. All right. And so we'll probably touch on that next week. But right now we're going to start from where Christopher Columbus leaves Spain. So the Inquisitions were already going on in Spain. And the Inquisitions, this was, um, you know, when you have these uh, the Roman Catholic Church, they had really wanted to um, put the strong arm on people and force everyone into their religious system because it was creating a lot of money, generating a lot of money for them and a lot of tax dollars as well. 
So they realize that getting people bought and sold into this religious concept, that they can really capitalize their entire economy. And by making everyone mandatory to fall suit under this thing, it was like, man, we are going to just not only are we going to destroy every, you know, every, every other country, we're going to force them into this and then we're going to take all their riches as, as well. And that was the plan. This is the empire, how they planned on expanding and growing. So they combined some of their pagan traditions along with Christianity traditions, and that became Catholicism. And during the Inquisitions, the popes themselves, the actual popes, ordered the killing and the slaughtering and the murder and the torture of over 80 million people on this planet, all to bring Christianity to the world. Now, Christian will tell you that Christianity was spread by good, good faith and love and, and unitedness and Jesus and all that. That's actually a lie. Any, per, any person that tells you that, they haven't studied history at all. Christianity was spread on this planet by rape, blood, murder, killing, force, uh, brunt labor, brute labor. That's how it was spread. Threats, burning down houses and killing people. That's how it was spread around the world. It was spread that way. And it was forced into indigenous cultures. Right. So but as he was uh, leaving Spain, OK, uh, there was actually uh, <laughs> another situation going on. So it says the Inquisition was raging in Spain here and elsewhere in Europe, and those out of favor with the powerful, particularly uh, those who were, were uh, believed to be unchristian, were tortured and killed in the most uh, ingenious of fashions. Uh, now, this was really crazy because they actually have uh, museums with the torture equipment that the Christians used to use in the Inquisitions to torture people who were non-believers. They had this thing called a Pope's Spear, and they would take a woman and they would stick it up into her and they would expand rapidly and, and blow up her private parts. You know, these are the kind of things that they would do to people, um, you know, <laughs> in those time periods. It's just it, it's, it's almost inconceivable what they would do. And they actually have these things in actual museums that you can go visit. You can actually go visit these places. So, you know, it's, it's not what Billy Carson's saying. I'm giving you the facts. You can go look it up for yourself. And what you'll find is something absolutely horrific. Even the fact that they would even keep these things around and showcase them tells you pretty much what you're dealing with. Right. Like I try to tell you, a lot of the times people don't realize that they're actually um, they're actually worshiping this, the actual same devil, the Satan, the devil that they've been, you know, they've been running from, you know. So it's pretty, pretty interesting. But anyway, so let me get back to. You know what I was saying about the Inquisition. Uh, it's really interesting that uh, let me open up this uh, this document here. They were torturing people, killing people to bring this Christianity and spread it all around the world, which really means that they want to dominate, take over your your land, your riches, your resources, and your people, and and uh, subjugate them to uh, to their own kingship and everything else. That's really what it was. And the popes were in on the take financially. And so, you know, they would uh, they would put people on the stake. They would rack you up just like a crucifixion. They would behead you. They would flay you alive. They would uh, they did all these crazy things on the day that Columbus finally set forth on his journey. That would shake the world. The port of the city he sailed from was filled with ships that were deporting Jews from Spain. This now keep in mind the date we're talking about, guys, we're talking about a long time ago, you know. 
and by the time of the expulsion, by the time the expulsion was complete, 120,000 to 150,000 Jews had been driven from their homes, their valuables often meager, having first been confiscated, and then they were cast out to sea. As one contemporary described the scene, it was pitiful to see their sufferings. Many were consumed by hunger, especially nursing mothers and their babies. Half-dead mothers held dying children in their arms. I can hardly say how cruelly and greedily they were treated by those who transported them. Many were drowned by the arvis of the sailors, and those who were unable to pay their passage sold their children. 24, this was the, the world, uh, an ex-trader, uh, 24, this was the world, an ex-trader of African slaves named Christopher Columbus and his shipmates left behind as they sailed from the city of Palos in August of 1492. So in 1492, long before Hitler was even born, they were already doing this to Jewish people. All right. So we're talking about people that are already innately dark and evil. And they already started off killing people and torturing people and enslaving people, um, you know, in, in Europe, right where they lived, right in that, right in that same region, because they wanted to take all their land and their property and their goods. A lot of people th thought that the Jewish enslavement started, you know, with, or not, I'm sorry, the Jewish uh, torture uh, and everything else started uh, with, with Hitler, but it started long before in the 1400s. And these people were uh, uh, from from Europe. They were called. Um, let me get the right terminology, the right name again, uh, because they actually learned the faith from the Ethiopians. So they went to Ethiopians, Ethiopian people, darker and blacker to me, which are act the actual Hebrews. They actually live there right now in Ethiopia. I was supposed to be there in 2020, but they have the, the original temples and the Torah and and all that stuff. They still speak in Hebrew till this very day, but they're banned from going to Israel because they're black, even though they're the ones who taught uh, these people, you know, the faith. It's pretty interesting. It's a weird turn of fate. And some, you know, it's a very strange situation. Um, but uh, I think they're called Khazars, but they learned this, they learned this faith from them and developed it and brought it back to Europe and made it their own. Right. And so, what he's saying is this this account here is they witnessed this happening on their way sailing out of Spain, headed to the Americas. You know, is this just wild stuff, just wild. <clears throat> so the Americas and other places where the world's indigenous people survive has never really ceased. As recently as 1986, the Commission on Human Rights of the or Organization of American States observed that 40,000 people had simply disappeared in Guatemala. During the preceding 15 years, another 100,000 people had openly been murdered. So as we know, you know, this is now in modern times. If you go all the way back, you have Columbus landing um, by accident down there in, uh, in the Americas looking for somewhere else, gets, gets saved by indigenous people. And one of the things that they said here when I was reading through this information, which I'll be providing the sources for all this as well, is that they saw so many people, they couldn't even count the numbers of people that they saw in the lands when they arrived. There were literally millions of indigenous people already living there, millions, and they were highly technologically advanced in terms of their construction techniques and everything else. A lot of the times you hear indigenous, the word indigenous native and you start thinking right away somebody walking around naked 
with no technology, just living with bows and arrows. These people were way more sophisticated than that. The only thing they lacked was a military, <laughs> you know, and uh, and an understanding that they were getting invaded. They didn't understand that this guy, because of some ancient prophecy, they didn't understand that these people were not there to help them. They were there to hurt them and kill them. We know that this was the very first account that we know of, of a foreign element coming into the Americas and actually engaging indigenous people in a way that was negative, um, you know, by tricking them, stealing their land. This is when it all started, killing them, torturing them and making them subjugate to Christianity. So what they would do is they would go and they would take, um, you know, the, the chief, they would take the Bushman or whatever, the, the, the healer, and then they would string them up in front of everybody and they would torture them and say, now you're going to follow this faith. You're going to drop everything you know. You're going to follow this faith. You're going to learn this language. This is how Mexicans started speaking Spanish, right? They're not really Mexicans, but this is how they started speaking Spanish. These indigenous people started dropping all their indigenous languages and were forced into speaking Spanish. So when you see a person that says, I'm, I'm Latino and I'm Spanish, no, you're not. No insult to you, but you're not you're not Spanish. You know, you, your, your, your culture was beaten and raped and tortured into, and forced into speaking that language. But if you go all the way back and backtrack, the original codexes were, were some incredible ancient language, ancient tongues that, that probably a lot of them don't even exist anymore, right? Because all the people who knew them are now dead. So the, the fact that people think that they're Hispanic and Latino is actually a falsehood. A lot of the times, it's, if you're not from Spain directly and direct, your direct bloodline of Span, Spain, you're not, you're not Spanish. You're, you're, you're just an indigenous person that your, your ancestors, unfortunately, were beaten, raped into submission to make you now today have Spanish as your main language. You know, and so, you know, and there's nothing wrong with being proud, proud of your you know, of your of your culture and everything else. I understand that it's just something that a lot of people just have no idea, just don't really know. So we have Columbus coming over. We have him engaging these people, uh, torturing people, raping people, killing people. He even put pestilence and disease into these people. Some of the diseases that they had in their body, these people couldn't even handle because, you know, they would isolate it so long. Their bodies didn't know how to fight this stuff off. So they caught viruses and bacteria and bacterial infections. They got real sick. Uh, and then, you know, when Christopher Columbus noticed this, they added more, more things that would kill them to help kill them off. Uh, and then the ones that they didn't kill, they made them, turned them into laborers and slaves and made them do work for them. Uh, you know, just, just a, a brutal way to go. And then when he fled back and went back to Europe, to uh, let everybody know, hey, man, we got all this land over here now. We didn't, you know, we, we took this land. We got everything set up. We can come over here and keep dominating. There's a lot of land over here, a lot of riches. We just got to take it all over. These people are so nice and so kind. They don't know how to stop us. And so that's when the slew started coming. That's when it started coming. Now, there was already a slave trade happening in the 1400s. In the 1400s, there were already slaves in Europe that they were already bringing from other areas. Um, and there was a lot of killing going on even in Europe, you know, like in Saint, the St. Saint Patrick's Day uh, murders, the genocide that happened like St. Patrick and all that stuff. That was all murder. You know, the St. Patrick's Day thing is, you know, people I saw people today dressed in the green. I saw some 
saw some black people dressed in green today to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. And I was like, what? You know, they don't know. The, they don't know what happened. He killed over 200,000 African people known as the TWA to establish a church in Ireland. So they want to wipe this land off of all these black indigenous people uh, there in Ireland. And so, you know, St. Uh, this is this St. Patrick. Indigenous people to create this uh, area and, and build a establish the church and the religious system and everything else. And just to wipe these people out of their land and and put other people there. You know, so this is the, the this is their M.O. This is this is how, you know, how these people operate for whatever reason. You know, I'm not sure how or why they feel global domination is the thing to do, but that's what it is. And anybody who's an indigenous person that is on land, they feel we just we're just going to steal it. and We're just going to take it. Keep in mind, these people in the Americas here, they were here for 40,000 years, at least at least with with a sophisticated with sophisticated civilizations. Well over 150 million people living in the Americas. Well over 150 million living in the Americas. That's a lot of people, right? Uh, now, and even though it's a lot of people, because there is so much land in the Americas, there, there, you know, you have a lot of space in between. Which everybody, so everybody was living very comfortably. Because right now, in the city I'm living in, uh, the county, I'm sorry, the county I'm living in, there's about a million people in this county. <laughs> so versus a million people spread out across the entire, you know, uh, 150 million spread out across the entire country. So it was very comfortable, but very complex pockets of civilizations that they had built and then a lot of space in between. And so that's how it all kind of all started. But then we move into a whole nother era, right? And so we move into the era, you know, fast forward from the 1400s, we know that that consistently continued the deluge of people coming over here continued and continued and continued all the way from the 1400s into the time where um, Europeans were trying to get out of Europe, out of England, and they wanted to come to America and make their new home, right? The pilgrims, they wanted a, fr a fresh start away from the, the taxation and the rules and the laws and so forth and so on. So they call themselves coming over here as pilgrims to you know, create a breakaway civilization, in the Americas. And so that's what they did. They came over here. Now, these people were rebelling against the government, rebelling against the military, re rebelling against the police officers. Right. In order to in order to create their own freedom, they were fighting against the, the military, fighting against police officers, fighting against the government. They were rebels, you know, that we call them pilgrims, but they were really rebels. And there's nothing really wrong with being a rebel. I'm a rebel. But what I'm saying is these people were rebels. Let's really identify exactly, you know, they were going against the system to create their own system. So this is why I get shocked when people see, you know, people uh, doing picketing and and, and you know, trying to make change by, by marching and things like that and going against, you know, the medicines that they try to force on us and everything else. I mean, that's how America became America. It started off with that same exact concept, right? But let's look into the 1800s. So we're going to start with the wars now, right? So we're going to start with the wars. Okay, it's already 830. Wow. And we're going to start talking about every single war that was fought. I'm going to name each individual war. And it's going to be a lot of them. Now, in the 1700s to 1775 to 1783, we had the American Revolutionary War. Okay. Now, keep in mind, this was at a time where we had the presidential... I mean, we had the United States of Congress 
And we had a president of the Continental Congress, president of the Continental Congress. So before the president of the United States, we already had presidents. We had the presidents of Congress. Okay, before George Washington, we already had established Congress and we already had established presidents. The very first president, his name was John Hansen. Very interesting story there. John Hansen uh, became the very first president of the United States of Congress and assembled under the under the Articles of Confederation. What's interesting about John Hansen, he's the man that's on the two dollar bill that you see the man that's shaded. He was half black and half white. He was mulatto. So the first president of the United States of Congress was actually a black man. Right. Uh, so it's pretty interesting. Uh, you know, and uh, Obama knew about this, by the way, because when Obama was running for president uh, the first time, the first run, they were going to air a mini documentary about this. And then his advisors told him that uh, give people let people have the illusion that you're the first black president. It'll give you a better edge in trying to win the, the race. So they canceled it. But it was on it was on the table. But John Hansen was the first uh, president. And how, how this happened, there was a war going on. And uh, the U.S. Congress weren't paying the soldiers. The soldiers, not only when they weren't getting paid, their families weren't getting paid. There was no food on the tables. Some of their families were starving. Their kids were starving to death. They didn't even have shoes, good shoes to put on their feet. Their shoes had completely worn out and they still weren't getting money. And this guy went to bat. John Hansen went to bat for these. He was in the military with them. He went to bat for them. And uh, the, the long story short, the war that they were in showed up at the front door. And this guy, John Hansen, along with some others, uh, fought off these people when the commander above Hansen turned and ran and left them there to go save his own tail. Uh, and Hansen went to battle, fought. They won that mini battle. And he also was then, uh, he also got money from the government to pay these, the arm, the military men. And so because of that, they made him the, uh, the first president of the United States of Congress. Okay, in and, and 1781. So just in case you didn't know that little tidbit of information, now you do, right? So Obama wasn't the first black president. All right, now, he, you know, he, he wasn't even the second. You know, Abraham Lincoln was also half black. His mother had already slept with one of the farmhands, which was a black man, and gotten pregnant. His dad, uh, for fear of ridicule, kept it quiet. And this information, you can look it up. It's not even a secret anymore. Uh, and, uh, he, you know, the um, he didn't want people to know, obviously, that his wife was pregnant with a, a black man's baby. Uh, and so he just raised Abraham as, a, as his own. But the reason why Abraham had that kinky here was because he was uh, he was mulatto. He was half uh, black. Uh, and so, again, another black president, Abraham Lincoln. But anyway, ironically, he was the person that sent, signed the Emancipation Proclamation to free the slaves. Right. So it makes that makes a lot of sense now to you. But anyway, so now he did make some quick weird statements and quotes when he was a president. But, you know, you got to remember, people have to learn how to play the game. It's a matrix out here. You got to know how to say the right things to the right people at the right times in order to paint a picture so you can manipulate and maneuver and do what you want to do and, and work to get things done that you want to get done. You can't you have to if you're going to be a rebel, sometimes you got to implode the system from the inside out. <clears throat> and that's where they killed him. Uh, but anyway, we have the American Revolutionary War started in 1775 to 1783. OK, the presidents 
uh, of the United States of Congress uh, during that time period. John Hancock, Henry Lawrence, John Jay, Samuel Huntington, Thomas McKean, John Hansen, Elias Benoit, Thomas Miffin, Richard Henry Lee, John Hancock, Nathaniel Gorman, Arthur St. Clair, and Cyrus Griffin. Right? Those are the presidents. Uh, now, who was fighting? The United States was fighting against Britain, but not just Britain. Okay, they had made allies too. They made allies with France and the Spanish Empire, of course, because they all wanted to chop up this land. It was like chopping up some, chopping up this real estate. Let's just work this out. Let's kill these people so we could chop this real estate up. Right. So they went against Great Britain. They went against um, Germany, who also wanted some of this land. And then they also went against the Iroquois. <laughs> they went against the Onondaga, the Mohawk the Cayuga, the Seneca, and the Cherokee. So in one hand, they were fighting Great Britain to get break free for their freedom. But on the other hand, the majority of the war was against Native Americans. That was the American Revolutionary War. Uh, Great Britain had convinced some of these Native Americans to fight with them in order to say, hey, look, if you fight with us, we're going to give you some of this land. We're going to let you keep some of this land. They even convinced some of the slaves to fight with them and said, well, you fight with us, we're going to give you freedom. Well, that's not really what happened. And that's what the whole national anthem is all about. It's really all about the, the full song is really all about slaves getting murdered in the field. But anyway, that's a whole nother, <laughs> it's a whole nother podcast. But they're spending a lot of energy and a lot of time fighting and killing indigenous people. Then you have the Cherokee American Wars, 1776 to 1795. United States fighting against the Cherokee. They had recruited the Choctaw. Now, the United States brought the Choctaw Indians uh, on their side. And what they did was they, they got slick. They started saying, you know what we'll do? We'll give uh, these, these Indians, these Native Americans, we'll give them some slaves. And we'll let them run slaves and we'll let them earn money off of slaves. So they involved them in the slave trade. This is why there's a lot of very racist indigenous people in America. I've been called the N-word by several of these people. There's a lot of Native Americans down here, but for whatever reason, um, they, they've been taught to be racist. But it goes all the way back. And I learned this like, you know, maybe a few years ago is that they their whole family bloodline, a lot of them are part of, a, you know, they were part of the slave trade. They actually owned and ran slaves. They owned and ran slaves. Well documented. And so, and so that, that's how they recruited or made allies with some of these, uh, these tribes by giving them slaves to run, okay, and letting them ha have slaves and, and earn money from slaves. They fought the Cherokee, all right? And so, again, it was pretty much almost the same exact presidents at that time. Also, George Washington then got involved. Now, when George Washington got involved, they were switching over to the United States from the United States of Congress to the United States of America, they had been taking over so much land and killing so many indigenous people by this time. An agreement was made to end the war and end all the conflict with, with Britain, who still had control, believe it or not, over, uh, over the Americas. And so the agreement was made that George Washington would be the president. They actually asked him if he wanted to be the president of the United States or did he want to be a king of the United States? And he chose to be a president he said, because that would give the people the illusion of separation. The illusion of separation. 
So again, what you thought you knew about history and what they taught you in elementary school, they didn't give you the full story. They didn't give you the full story. So now you keep going here and we go into 1785, 1793. We have the Northwest Indian War. Who's fighting now? Well, so the uh, Britain wanted to still continue to fight and they still wanted some of the land and some of the Caribbean. So the United States recruited the Chickasaw and the Choctaw, gave them slaves to run, get, let them profit, get that money, get that juice up, gave them some land back that they already had taken away and promised them much more. Got them on their side to go fight against uh, Great Britain and British North America for some of the Caribbean. Then you had the Quasi War, 1798 to 1800. The United States uh, was fighting the French Republic and Guadalupe, uh, along with Great Britain. Now, Great Britain had joined them on the team. Now they're like, yeah, hey, yeah, we're still we're buddies now. We made, we came to our agreement. Now let's you guys fight with us, and we're gonna make sure that nobody else takes any more of this land over here. Right, And then you get into the 19th century wars. Now, think about this. In the 19th century, who are we still fighting? We're fighting more indigenous tribes to get more land. And we've built up more allies. So the first Barbary War, 1801 to 1805. Okay, We have the United States, Sweden, the Kingdom of Sicily, Malta, the Kingdom of Portugal, and Solnit, Morocco fighting against Ottoman and the Sultanate of Morocco. This is all taking land. It's all about resources, all about land. U.S. allied victory. So the U.S. allies won. As Thomas Jefferson was a president at that time. Okay. <clears throat> and then we have 1810 to 1813, the United States is fighting the Tecumseh Confederacy. Who was the Tecumseh Confederacy? They were Native Americans in the Great Lakes region of the United States that had began to form in, in early 19th century around the teaching of Tenesquata. And the Confederation grew over several years and came to include several thousand warriors. And, you know, the United States said, you know what? Mm, we can't have this Confederation in our you know, on, on the land we're trying to steal. You, you guys can't form a Confederation here and we're trying to take your land. So we're going to have to attack you. And that was under the president, James Madison. So under James Madison, they went in and killed all these people, too. They attacked them and killed all these people. All right. U.S. victory. War of 1812. OK, so what happens here is the United States teams up with the Choctaw again, the Cherokee. They've already now had whipped the Cherokee before and had been brought them into their little conglomerate. You know, if you guys join us, maybe we won't kill you anymore. And we'll let you we'll give you some money and we'll give you a little bit of land and a little bit of wealth. Right. And so uh, they ended up going against uh, the Tecumseh Confederacy again because they had tried to grow back and try to reclaim and try to take back control of, of the Americas and take their land back. But unfortunately, um, it didn't work. And they ended up signing a treaty and getting getting small pockets of land that they that they could keep because they had to come to a treaty because they were being slaughtered again. They didn't want to be completely wiped out. And so uh, at that time, one of the wars that had one of the things that happened during that War of 1812 was the White House uh, burnt down. Then you had the Creek War, 1813 to 1814. You had the United States going against the Red Stick Creek. Who's that? Those were another indigenous group of people, Native American 
uh, people from the 19th century. Uh, and they uh, they went in and they basically wiped them out. And U.S. allied victory again. Right. The ones that survived, they signed a treaty with them. Fort Jackson. I'm painting the picture. Here. Just keep up with me. because it's, <laughs> This is crazy. I haven't even gotten a quarter of the way through. 1815, United States goes against uh, Dillick of Algiers, you know, and so this is a, a war against a French-owned uh, country over what? Land and resources. Who won? U.S. victory. U.S. become very good at fighting really quickly. Then you had the first Seminole War, 1817 to 1818, United States against Spanish Florida. So the Seminoles down here, you know, it's a big, they're huge down here in Florida. They're huge. They own all the all of the uh, casinos and everything. A lot of them right now are really, really rich and wealthy because they fought for that. And, uh, you know, and, and they got that now and they, all their children get a certain amount of money every single month from the government. They fought hard to, to do that. Uh, and they have a lot of wealth. Not all of them are wealthy, but they have a lot of wealth in their community now. But uh, the United States went against the Seminoles and, um, you know, they won U.S. victory again. Right. It just, it just never ends. Then you have the Arikara War, 1823. And so the United States uh, went against the Arikara. And uh, the Arikara uh, or the Hundi are a tribe of Native Americans in North Dakota. Today, they are enrolled with the Mandan and the Hidasta as a federally recognized tribe known in the Mandan, Hidasta, and Arikara nation. So they still survived, but they almost got wiped out. There's, there was a treaty was signed in uh, in 1823. The Winnebago War, again against uh, Indigenous Americans, U.S. victory. 1832, the Black Hawk War, again Indigenous attacks, the United States attacks Indigenous people, U.S. Allied victory. They had some allies with them on that one. <clears throat> Texas Revolution. So Mexico. <laughs> had been fighting off Spain, okay? And they miraculously, with the limited uh, weapons and, and, and understanding of how to even go to war, they actually ran the Spaniards finally up out of there. And so the Americans, the United States said, wow, they're in a weakened state right now. They're just licking their wounds. Let's go take some more of their land. So that's how come we have, you know, the, the Mexico, Mexico should be far exceeding into the United States. But the reason why it's not is because when they're in a weakened state, the United States said, rally up the boys. We're going to go knock these people out and push them back and take more of this land. And so that's what they did. And of course, they won. Took the whole Texas. We took the area called New Mexico and all that good stuff. Uh, 1835 to 1842, the Second Seminole War, the United States versus Seminole. All right. The Seminole Indians, American people who, de who, who developed Florida in the 18th century. You know, they uh, U.S. victory, 3,800 Seminoles transported to Indian territory. So they whoever didn't die, they, they basically packed them up and moved them on out of here. All right. <clears throat> and you have the. Uh, the other Mexican-American war that happened again in 1846 to 1848, and which led to the Treaty of Guadalupe-Hidalgo, the U.S. victory. I mean, I can just keep going on and on. The Apache Wars, 1849 to 1924, the United States against the Apache, the Ute, 
and the Yavpai. And who wins again? The United States victory. All right. Apaches moved to reservations. So they said, hey, guys, now that we killed mostly all of you, we're going to take the who's ever left. We're going to put you on these little military camps and you can you can stay in this little area, but don't leave because we're going to take everything you guys got. We know you've been here for 40,000 years, but we're going to take it now. <clears throat> then we had the war. Uh, the bleeding Kansas war was the pro-slavery, the pro-slavery settlers against the anti-slavery settlers, which was an incredible uh, thing that happened uh, in 1854 to 1861. <clears throat> but then right after that, the United States said, we need more land. We're going to go against the Nisqually, the Muckleshoot, the Pulleyup, the Kiktaiyat, Hadai, and the Tlingit. And they went and took all that land and killed all those uh, indigenous people. And whoever survived was relocated to Salit's Grand Ron and Coast Reservations. So they reservated these people, whoever was left. All right. And I could just keep going. Another th- a third Seminole War. The Seminoles kept trying to come back. They was like fighting for their land and fighting for their for their lives. But again, U.S. victory. By the late 1850s, most Seminoles forced to leave their land. A few hundred remained deep in the Everglades on land unwanted by white settlers. So they left them in the swamps. Whoever survived just had to go live in the swamp. All right. Not a, not a very good place to be living. The Akima War, where the United States said, you know what? We just need a little bit more land again. We just, we just want a little bit more. And we can just get a little bit more land. So we have to kill the, the Yakmara, the Walla Walla tribe, the Umtale tribe, the Nez Pierce tribe. And the Cayuse tribe, U.S. victory, right? U.S. victory under Franklin Pierce and James Buchanan, presidents James Buchanan and Franklin Pierce. Um, you know, and I mean, it's just, you know, the 1858 to 1860, Navajo Nation, okay? We had to go against them too. And so, of course, the United States wins that war as well. And so you can see this building as to what's going on here. Even during the American Civil War, 1861 to 1865, you had the United States going against Confederate states, the Cherokee Nation, the Choctaw Nation, the Chickasaw Nation, the Muskegee Nation, the Seminole Nation. I mean, then the Comanches. So not only are they fighting the Confederate states, but they're also fighting at the same exact time, all of these indigenous people. Why? It was kill one, kill all, take all the land, take all the resources, just kill, kill, kill everybody. That's what it was. That's literally what it was. The dissolution of the Confederate States, which, you know, obviously to me, I'm, I'm happy about that, being a black person. The U.S. territorial integrity preserved, the beginning of the Reconstruction era, and the U.S. federal government expands further control over land and land rights in the Indian Territory. So it was a double. They, 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 they took down the, the people that wanted to keep slavery going, but they also, unfortunately, uh, genocided a lot more indigenous people and stole all their land so on one side they do something good but on the other side they do something very very evil at the same exact time again uh 1861 1875 the united states goes against yeah the apache the yuma and the mojave more tribes under abraham lincoln andrew johnson and ulysses s grant taking over more land u.s victory I mean, this just keeps going on and on. They have, they have the Colorado War against indigenous people. We have the Snake War against indigenous people. 
We have the Powder River War, United States against indigenous tribes, the Red Clouds War against indigenous tribes, the Comanche campaign where the United States said, we're going to wipe them all out. The Cheyennes, the Arapaho, the Comanche, the Kiowa, we want to take them all down. All right. Yeah, that's in uh, 1867. Uh, we're just going in and we're just wiping these people out. The Red River War, the Cheyenne, the Arapaho, the Comanche again. Then you go into 1876, 1877, the Lakota, the Dakota Sioux, the Northern Cheyenne, and the Arapaho. They're killing them all, taking the land. 1877, uh, another tribe, the Nez Pierce and the Palaus, United States victories. These are all U.S. victories. The Cheyenne War, United States versus Cheyenne. They said, look, we got to take our land back. Didn't work. They lost. U.S. victory. I mean, the more I go, the, the, the deeper I go, and I can just keep going and going and going, and it just never ends. The Pine Ridge Campaign, 1898, uh, 1891, United States versus the Sioux Tribe, United States won. That's under President Benjamin Harrison. The Garza War, okay? Mexico teams up with the United States to fight off these Garzistas. Only time I could see in a long time that they didn't fight indigenous people, uh, tribes at least. Uh the Akai Wars, they went against the Pima and the Opata. The United States took their land. I mean, it just keeps going. You know, so it's incredible to see how much war happened over the land of the North and South Americas. And it was a huge and the Caribbean. And it was a huge land grab, a huge land grab. But to do this, keep in mind, there were over 150 million people on this land that had been there for 40,000 years. And according to these records, and I'll give you the sources, 111 million of these indigenous Americans, of the indigenous peoples, I'm sorry, of the Americas were killed. 111 million. That is the American Holocaust that's never talked about. Over the course of all those years from 1492 all the way to the 1900s, these people have been beaten, raped, killed, tortured, poisoned, diseased, and slaughtered, and have had everything ripped and stolen and taken away from them. Okay? Everything ripped, stolen, and taken away from them in order to build the American Empire. You used to have the Roman Empire, and now you have the, you know, the American Empire. Empires rise and fall. Rome crashed, and this is now the new Rome. And so, but to, to, to do this, this is what it took. It took the murder, killing, and the death of all of these people. And that's how America became to be what it is today. It's 111 million, 111, 111 million indigenous people in this land killed. And some of these people were not just, um, you know, they, they weren't just, you know, a lot of people, when you think the word, Indigenous uh, Americans or Indians, what they call them, it's just Indians. Indigenous Americans, natives don't like to be called Indians. It's like an insult. I try not to say that word too much because they get very insulted by that. Um, You know, they they don't like that term. Indians are for like India. Right. And in some kind of way, it's it's they don't like the term. So I try not to say it too much. But the indigenous natives of America, when you think of them, you think of the red skinned man. But as you'll find out next week. When I talk about the uh, before Columbus talk, you'll find that Africans had come over and the uh, had made it with these people and they had, had, you know, they integrated themselves into their civilization. So there were 
mixtures of red men and black men in the Americas as indigenous peoples in these lands before Columbus even arrived. And so in this slaughter campaign that went on uh, with the with the United States of Congress and the United States, it was a lot of indigenous people of red and black skin being destroyed, killed, murdered, slaughtered, all for the uh, for the for the point of conquest and taking land and resources is pretty much what happened. So this entire the entire North America and South America is all stolen and swiped away from the original inhabitants. You know, and that's how <laughs> that's how we uh, we got here. You know, that's how that's how we got to where we we call the United States of America. Right. And so some people are walking around going, thank goodness they did that because then we wouldn't be here in America. Well, that's the wrong mindset. I'd like to imagine in my mind sometimes what it would be like to not to, for none of this to ever happen. And everything just went down a, a better, more peaceful course. I still think the world could have been a great place, whether we were here or somewhere else. I still think the great minds would have found their way to do great things and great people would have created great inventions. And I still think that the world could have been a potentially much better place under peace, unity and love versus uh, conquest, death, destruction, murder, killing. You know, but this is the Holocaust that people just don't seem to want to talk about. You have to really go dig and look it all up and you have to go through several books of information and go through all these different records and look up, you know, different historical facts and sites and everything else to get it all together, put it all together because, you know, everybody wants to look at Hitler. They want you to look at, uh, you know, what uh, Putin's doing right now, you know, and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, if you look historically at how America became America, that makes Putin look like a kind guy. I'm not saying he's right. I'm just saying, <laughs> look what we did over here. And when I say we, I'm not talking about me. We're talking about, the, the colonizers. Look what they did. They came here and they they stole an entire continent. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was a heist of a continent and islands. Incredible. Uh, and and to do it, it was a lot of bloodshed. That, it wasn't like they just walked in and had a negotiation and worked the deal out. They came in guns blazing, knives stabbing, you know, uh, torture, rape, whatever it took, de- deception. You know, whatever it took is what they did to get this to get this land. And so uh, it's the real it's, it's a it's a huge Holocaust. You're talking about over 100 million people killed, tortured and slaughtered. That's even more than the papal inquisitions, which was 80 million and far more obviously than uh, what Hitler did. And far more obviously than, than more than what Putin's doing right now. And I'm not justifying anybody's and I'm not justifying any killing. I'm against wars altogether. I'm just saying. What's going on here needs to be talked about more. It needs to be it needs to be uh, it needs to be not talked about to get people angry. It needs to be talked about so that this doesn't happen again. It needs to be talked about. So what's happening in Russia and Ukraine shouldn't be happening. The knowledge of understanding, respecting people's sovereignty and respecting people's land and respecting indigenous peoples that have settled and been in land for thousands of years and respecting them. We go and we take, we go to a place where there's indigenous people and we go, Ooh, great real estate. We can make a lot of money here. And then we go to the indigenous person and say, Hey, look, who already has this thing, who already lives in peace and quiet, we're going to take your land and then you're going to work for us to make money, to live and pay us to live back on your own land. 
and you're going to pay us. You need you see these fruits that you can just pick and eat. And these animals that you can just eat. Now you're going to pay us to give you the fruits and to give you the animals. And you're going to pay us to stay on your own land. And on top of that, you're going to pay us taxes on, on your own land that you've been in for thousands of years. You're going to pay us taxes on that, too, by the way. And if you don't, then we're going to lock you up or kill you. You see, the, you see, the, the, <laughs> it's crazy. It's just crazy. It's crazy. And we have to understand this is what this is what's happened. This is how this country has become the most powerful, strongest country in the world. If I go into all the other wars that we did, I'd be here talking for 10 hours. I can keep going for more hours. How we went and stole the land in Nicaragua. OK, so that we can set up oil companies over there. I can just I mean, I can just keep going. I mean, I can go and go and go for hours on hours on end. The fact is this type of conquest of global domination, it has to come to an end. We fake the WMDs. Well, Bush faked WMDs. I have an excuse to go to Iraq and kill all those people. Millions of people died over there. We had, you know, we sent five million dollar bombs to kill people riding on on, on camels and living in $5 tents. All right. Why? Because we wanted to take their land. We had the, um, we had, uh, you know, Dick Cheney forming corporations that he can use to create billions of dollars by saying he's going to go and clean up Iraq after all the destruction and, and the death that we laid on him. And so, you know, he, he takes his, his company over there to do the cleanup work and they build a couple of gas stations and a couple of houses they built one gas station for $23 million. What gas station cost $23 million? This is all money going in their pockets. They did like 37, they collected like $37 billion on this cleanup escapade that never cleaned anything up. That money went into their pockets, you know, you know, just look it up. And so this whole, all these wars is all about stealing people's land and stealing people's resources. You know, you have Putin going in now and he's, um, he wants the resources and the people's money and control of these people in the Ukraine. And every, the whole world is going, hey, you can't do that. And of course, he shouldn't be able to do that. I agree with them. But the United States, they should be quiet because look what they've done. <laughs> I'm surprised they even opened their mouth. I would be like hiding in the corner if I was these people. I'd be like, you know, let me just be quiet. I mean, we know how we got this land, you know. And so it's pretty crazy. It's, it's pretty crazy. But anyway. Before I get out of here, guys, I just want to go back and share my screen one more time. Share my screen one more time. I want to show you guys again uh, the opportunity we have here. A couple of opportunities, actually. Let me uh, hold on. Cancel that. Let me go back over here. And I'm going to show you my NFTs right quick. Where are they? Where's these NFTs at? Uh, okay. And I'm going to show you also a book that you need to get as well. I'll show you the NFT first. Now, well, let me show you the book first. Show you this book. Let me go back here and open up this share screen. Share my screen. And we go to window. Get this book, The Conquest of the New World, American Holocaust. Okay. American Holocaust. Good book. All right. You can get this book on uh, on Amazon.com. Um, I had the PDF to this. It's by David E. Stannard. 
David E. Standard, okay? American Holocaust. Interesting book. It'll really expand your mind. Who are the real invaders of the Americas? Who are the, you know, you know who are the refugees here? It's pretty interesting. Um, so just check that out. And uh, let me show you guys. Don't forget, we have the NFTs. Welcome to the Forbidden Club. This is ForbiddenClub.com with the number four, ForbiddenClub.com. You see their Connect wallet. You can connect this to your wallet. And you can buy minted NFTs here right on my website, Forbidden Club. Right? The Pantheon of Gods. The first one is Thoth, the Atlantean. Some know him as the Hootie, Tahuti, right? Jehudi. Quetzalcoatl, Lord Pakal, uh, Odin, uh, Hermes, Hermes Trismegistus, many names he has, many, many names, but you can get a variation of him as an NFT, and what it does, it unlocks a lot of great things that I'll be doing within my Forbidden Club. Uh, I'll be doing private meetings, private mystery schools, in person, some virtual, some in person. Some of the trips that I take to different temples and sites around the world, you'll be invited. People with five minted NFTs will get a black card. It says platinum on the site, but we change it to a black card. And it is a nice looking card. We got some samples just the other day. And so when you have five minted NFTs, you get that card and you get access to all my events in person or online at no cost. All right. These NFTs come with a lot of benefits, mostly a lot of access to me and the places that I go but also black tie events, secret meetings and undisclosed locations like the mystery school is going to be an undisclosed location. Nobody will know where it is. Only the people that actually have the five minted NFTs will know. And they'll be, be the only ones that will be allowed in to the private mystery school sessions and stuff like that. So it's going to be really cool. And the trips are going to be mind blowing. The places that we're going to go are going to be mind blowing. And the donations and the, and the philanthropy is going to be amazing. How many people we're going to help with a lot of this revenue. It's all spelled out on ForbiddenClub.com. You can check it out. You can connect your wallet and mint NFTs right here on the site. They'll automatically post into your wallet, into your uh, MetaMask. And then from there, you can put them up on OpenSea. There are some already on OpenSea for uh, 1.5 Ethers, one, uh, 11 Ethers. I saw one the other day. Uh, so, you know, anywhere between... Three thousand to thirty thousand dollars. You know, some people are uh, trying to sell their their NFTs for already, but you can get them on my site for 0.22 ETH, which is around right now. I don't know five six hundred bucks somewhere in there for one. Not too bad. I think the value of these has the potential of going up into the hundreds of thousands. So you can get your NFTs on ForbiddenClub.com with the number four. All right. Don't forget to get shares of. Uh, Forbidden Knowledge. You can go to my website, ForbiddenKnowledge.com. You can also go to for, uh, TrueCrowd.com, ForbiddenKnowledge.com or TrueCrowd.com. And you can actually get shares. The minimum amount you can buy is 250 bucks worth, but they were $1.50 each. Okay. And you, and this is a, a great opportunity as we're going to be going into round three. We're preparing for round three right now, which will be hopefully right now in about, well, it looks like 78 days left. We'll be heading into round three. And then from there, at the end of that third round, we'll be looking to get a ticker symbol and go on the stock exchange, which is going to be phenomenal. That's where we're going with this thing. Taking consciousness to the main platform and making it forbidden knowledge, making it common knowledge. That's the ultimate goal. All right. Uh, so next week, we're going to talk about before Columbus. It's going to be a great talk. 
stop screen sharing here. And uh, we're going to uh, dig deep into a little bit about what happened before before Columbus came here and started his treachery reign and started telling everybody, hey, guys, here they are. Come over here and we can steal this from them. We can, all we got to do is kill them and rape them and we can take it away. So we'll talk about that next week, who these people were, who they were to the Sumerians, who they were to the Kemetic people of the land of Kem before it was Egypt. Who were these people and who knew them and who who directed them to come over here? And why did they come here to the Americas? We're going to go over that next week on the Four Bit Knowledge podcast. Thank you for all of the uh, donations today. I really appreciate that. I had a few. I couldn't. I was kind of grooving and, and going. I didn't want to stop. Uh, Memphis, Iticus, God, I am. Thank you for the $20 donation. I appreciate you. All these funds go towards helping underprivileged children. And I will be back on here again. Don't forget, go to Forbidden Knowledge TV and get a free subscription because we just literally yesterday finally did the onboarding for the Forbidden Coin. And we have this feature plugged into our Discord now for all the subscribers who connect their MetaMask to the Discord. And there's going to be a training video put in there so everybody knows exactly how to do it so that we can airdrop the free cryptocurrency, the four Bitcoin coin free drops. It only goes to subscribers of Forbidden TV. 10% and my, my tokenomics comes out on Friday. You'll have all have a copy of the tokenomics and the website goes up on Friday. So 10% will go towards uh, airdrops. 20% goes towards uh, private sale of the coins. My coins are kept at 30 million. I can't have more than 30 million coins. So that means the value of these coins is going to be very strong, very, very strong. Okay, so I'm getting it all done the right way and taking my time, making sure everything's done. I'm crossing my T's, dotting my I's, making sure everything's the right way before we officially launch. But it's coming now within just a few short days. We're going to be releasing the Forbidden Coin as well. All right. I appreciate you guys. And I'm also coming with part two, announcing the date for part two of my NFT blockchain masterclass very, very soon. All right. Appreciate you guys. And I'll catch y'all later. This is Billy Carson with ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. Forbidden Knowledge TV has just reached its one year anniversary. That's right, one year. And as a show of appreciation, we are giving all new subscribers a free 30 day trial of ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. That's 30 days to binge watch thousands of movies, documentaries, conferences, workshops, lectures, yoga classes, meditation courses, and so much more. So log on to ForbiddenKnowledge.tv from your computer or mobile device or get the Forbidden Knowledge TV app on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, iTunes, or Google Play today and use coupon code 30 days free. That's coupon code 30 days free on ForbiddenKnowledge.tv today.